This is a very serious podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Splanknicks. I'm your host, independent author, Claire T. Walker, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, my daughter, Hannah Kubiak. Hello. Today, Hannah and I are going to be talking about the four temperaments. Welcome to Splanknicks, the Society for the Preservation of Literature, the Arts, Numinosity, Culture, Humor, <laughs> Nerdiness, Inspiration, Creativity, and Storytelling. So, Hannah, we're talking about the four temperaments. Yes. Now, this is something... This is a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart because it has really positively affected my life to, to know about these temperaments. Mm -hmm. The book we're going to be basing our discussion on is actually one of the few books out there on this topic. It's called The Temperament God Gave You by Art and Lorraine Bennett. And it was written in... it's. Quite a while ago, let me see, the copyright date on this is 2005, so it's not necessarily a new book, but it's based on things that go back thousands of years. They're, they're called the four classical temperaments, going back to Hippocrates, the father of medical sciences. Hippocrates was 460 to 377 BC, so this goes way back. Wow. He is thought to be the first to have ever developed this theory of these four temperaments, they are based on four main types of bodily fluids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? We love our bodily fluids here on this Hence podcast. Hence, the very strange-sounding names that we're going to have here. The first temperament is choleric. C-H-O-L-E-R-I-C. This is based on the yellow bile from the liver. Charming. Yes. The uh, other, the next one is called sanguine. S-A-N-G-U-I-N-E. This is based on blood from the heart. Nice. Melancholic. M-E-L-A-N-C-H-O-L-I-C. And this is based on black bile from the kidneys. Phlegmatic. Uh-huh. P-H-L-E-G-M-A-T-I-C. Phlegm from the lungs. The, the theory that Hippocrates developed is that your, your temperaments kind of comes from the most dominant fluid or whatever in your, mm. in your body, okay? Obviously, this is not rocket science. This is not modern. But the thing is, it largely still seems to pan out even in, in this day and age over, what, 2,500 years later. But what do we mean by temperament? Well, um, we should probably start with saying what temperament is not. Okay. So, um... It's not the same as personality. So personality refers to basically an individual's patterns of behavior, their thoughts and emotions. And uh, temperament, temperament is just one aspect of a person's total personality. And um, it's the aspect related to behavior and reaction. Temperament is sort of like the raw material um, that an artist uses to create his masterpiece, according to the Bennett. So that's from the Bennett's, yeah. yes. Uh, the stone used in the sculpture may be carved easily or with difficulty. It has a certain color and pattern. It is durable or malleable. Yet the artist uses inspiration, experience, and talent to create a unique sculpture. 
Even if the artist always sculpts in marble, the end product will be unique every time. So a person's total personality is going to be affected by like education and experiences and their choices and um, the Bennett the way say, they were raised. Yeah, and- the Bennett say and grace. Uh, the raw material is the temperament, but the final creation requires the artist's education, talent, and inspiration. So okay. we are talking about sort of like the base materials that we are made of mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Okay, so personality is more of a fulsome description mm. of, of a person, and the temperament is more of maybe much more like basic. Mm. Temperament is more nature. More nature. It's more mm-hmm. innate, and, it's, uh, and for that reason much more difficult to to change yes so a person's temperament usually remains basically the same throughout okay. their life okay but you don't start out being a sanguine in your youth and then as you get older you become melancholic one of the main ways that these four temperaments are grouped is this will be familiar to anyone who listened to our introverts versus extroverts uh, podcast or anyone who's familiar with with the concept of introversion and extroversion there are two of the temperaments are very introverted and two of the temperaments are very extroverted. The two introverted temperaments are the melancholic and the phlegmatic. And the two extroverted temperaments are the choleric and the sanguine. It, just to review what, what extroversion versus introversion means, extroversion has to do with um, it's it's not quite the same as being a very talkative, outgoing, gregarious, socially um, astute and, and comfortable with people. I mean, there, that's mm-hmm. an element of it. Yeah. But one of the reasons why extroverts are very outgoing, seek out the company of people, very talkative, is because extroverts derive their sort of personal recharge and energy from being around other people. Mm-hmm. Being around other people delights an extrovert and makes an extrovert feel good, feel energetic and feel like recharged. Yes. And that the classic um, way that I sort of d- describe this is that an extrovert is the person who will host a party and after the party has, has is over and everyone has left, that extrovert is so energized. They, they will stay up until three o'clock in the morning cleaning the house up. All right. Mm. the introvert in fact why don't you go ahead and do introvert okay yeah i can't because yeah, yeah because cause i'm the extrovert you're the extrovert and i'm the introvert, the introvert. so i'll talk about what yeah. introversion is like your extroversion versus versus introversion is uh is it means basically how you where you get your energy from it's not anything that what you act like you know because lots of people think that i am an extrovert so introverts um we can we can fake it pretty well because we live in a social world with other human beings, and we kind of have to if yeah. we want to survive. Um, well, describe describe how the introvert, if an introvert were to host a party, which that oh. would be a miracle in and of itself. Yes. So if an introvert were to host a party, how would the introvert respond once all the guests yes. have left? If by some uh, trick of fate you managed to uh, get an introvert to host a party, <laughs> an introvert, they will... Be so exhausted and drained that they will, one of two things, I I find, they will either fall asleep immediately or sit on the couch, not be able to do anything, not want to be around anybody at all anymore because they're completely drained. 
Or they also will stay up until 3 a.m. cleaning and stuff, but that is not because they're energized. That is because they are anxious and worried about things that happened at the party. (laughs) (laughs) Is that introversion or is that just being neurotic? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I'll um, talk about uh, my uh, my self-diagnosis later. So, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that so, is me. I'm an anxious cleaner. A lot of people do um, make the mistake of thinking that because a person is talkative and well-spoken and polite mm-hmm. and can function or even is an amazing public speaker or an actor mm-hmm. like, like you are, you've, mm-hmm. been do, you've done a lot of acting and you're in mm-hmm. the theater, um, a lot of people assume that a person like that is an extrovert because they're out there in public mm-hmm. saying things. Yeah. That's not necessarily the case. Most actors actually are introverted, though. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. But 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 the, the, the introvert, I think, is very good at turning that on when it's required. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the extrovert, a lot of people um, – here's, here's a misunderstanding that people make about extroverts. Mm-hmm. People make a misunderstanding that extroverts are basically just airheads because we're just like, blah, 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 talk, 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 talk. Like we don't have a we, – we're not capable of putting two brain cells together for a deep thought ever. Um, also, I have inadvertently realized that some person, some guy thought I was flirting with him when, no, I was just being my normal self. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so this will happen to extroverts sometimes. But the two extroverted personalities are – the choleric, and the sanguine. Okay. And so, how do we divide those up further? Right, there's, right. There's a couple of different uh, things that differentiate these. Different, exactly. Yes. And now keep in mind that what we're, when we're talking about the temperaments, we're talking about the way the person tends to respond and react to things, to events, and to other people. Mm-hmm. The extroverts, uh, the sanguine mm-hmm. and the choleric. These two extroverted personalities, there tends to be a very, very market difference in the way they respond Mm -hmm. for example the sanguines and the cholerics have a quick temper Mm. the phlegmatics and the melancholics tend not to have a quick temper Mm -hmm. and the other thing that happens is these extroverted personalities if you if you get their goat if you if you if you set off the choleric or the sanguine's temper you are going to know because they're going to react they're going to flare up immediately whereas if you set off the uh, the two introverted personalities, you make them irked or angry, you might not hear about it for months. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it goes. Yes. So, and then the difference between the choleric and the sanguine, the sanguine will flare up like a firecracker or like a bottle rocket, go shooting up. <laughs> and five minutes later, we'll be like, okay, cool. That was fine. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm better now. Uh-huh. Everything okay? And everyone's like, yeah, okay, good. The choleric will not do that. The cleric will smolder mm-hmm. further and remember this like, incident. Like a, like a barn fire. So the cleric will smolder and flame about this for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. If you've got a cleric who brings something up that bothered them, you know, eight months ago, yeah. like, you're still mad about that? I thought you had your, your blow up and that was it. Nope. Nope. And so. uh, when we're talking about, yeah, when we're talking about anger in the introverts. Yeah. It's very interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the phlegmatic... Doesn't get angry very fast, um, if at or all. at all. If at all. Right. You, you, you almost can't tell. We have a phlegmatic friend of, who apparently was trying mm-hmm. to fix a garage door or something. It just was not working. And it gets to his breaking point where he goes, hmm, well, this is not going very well. I could almost swear right now. Right. Whereas <laughs> the sanguine, like, Whoa, are where, you serious? Right. Whereas the sanguine would have broken the garage door already. Would yes. have smashed it with a hammer. Yes. And the cleric would have, you know, I don't know, who do, who knows what the cleric would have done. You but anyway, know. so 
Yeah, exactly. So the phlegmatic is very difficult to yes. to make a phlegmatic person angry. So it takes them a long time to get angry. And I think when they're angry, it doesn't really last that long. And it's right? not a very strong response either. No, no. Right. It's, uh, yeah. Whereas the, the choleric and the sanguine, very strong response. Sanguine's quick. Choleric mm-hmm. lasts for a long time. Yep. Phlegmatic takes a long time, takes a long time. And then you get a small response yes. anger, of anger. And now the melancholic. Melancholic also takes a long time to get fed up with things. Um, so... I am a melancholic. I have been told by many people that I'm extremely patient, which I am. Uh, It takes a long time to get me irritated or angry about anything. But once... Once I'm once I'm angry, melancholics often... They respond really slowly, but then it's really intense when they snap. Mm. So, kind of like a keg of dynamite with a really, 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 really long fuse leading to Mm. it. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of fizzles along for a while. Then somebody, somebody forgets to empty the dishwasher and it's the end of the world. (laughs) A powder keg explodes and destroys everything around it. And everyone's like, what the heck? That was such an overreaction. Yeah. When... From the melancholic's perspective, it wasn't an overreaction because they've been dealing with all of this crap for months and months and months. And yeah. there will be a, uh, a an outer or internal explosion. Yeah, that's the other thing that about melancholics is they don't always explode outwards. And sometimes they, they explode inwards. And so they're the most prone to anxiety and depressive disorders and, mm-hmm. and mental, you know, yes. mental so problems. Keep our emotions right here. And yeah. One day we'll die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, um, well, let's, let's get a little bit more, um, into detail about some of these things. Uh, let's do, oh, and by the way, um, the book that we, that we're recommending, The Temperament God Gave You, has a very good test or inventory in it. In fact, that forms the heart of the book is the test that you take. And it's, um, what you do is you answer all these questions and they tend to ask you how you would respond in certain situations. And then you, you check off the box and then you consult the key at the end of the book, which will uh, tell you what your um, count is for each of the, each of the temperament types. Now, when I, when I took this test, I seem to remember, I don't remember the exact number of sanguines that I had, but I do know that I had, um, I had only a handful of choleric responses, had a, a large amount of sanguine responses, a fairly good handful of of choler of um, phlegmatic responses, and eleven melancholic responses, mm-hmm. which is so low. Um, like for example, I'm looking at your test, and your the way you broke down was twenty nine nine forty seven forty four. Okay. So you can score like 40 and 50 in some of these temperaments. And then the fact that you scored nine in this, in the one that was your lowest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like right there in melancholic. I was 11. Right. Super what, low uh, score. What, what, what year was that? I think that was 2022. Oh yeah. This was just now. I was yeah. going to go and find this actually. Yeah. Uh, but it's in the book. Yeah. yeah it's folded up in the book. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. So T- uh, say what yours were. Mine. Okay. So I, um, so melancholic 47, phlegmatic 44, sanguine 29, Choleric, nine. Yeah. 
So what? Um, so, so let's very so let's, quite introverted. Yeah, am very. I? Yeah, high on both introverted scales. Like mm-hmm. yeah, very high. And I was mm-hmm. I was mostly high on the uh, on the extroverted ones. Yes. So we so. are a good pair to talk about the, mm-hmm. the temperaments. Because yeah, for sure. Pretty uh, pretty split across the board here, are we? I and knowing these temperaments is very useful because. Mm. Uh, you can not only understand yourself, but you can understand uh, your children, your spouse, mm-hmm. your friends, your co-workers. Yeah. Can you do me a favor? Can you yeah. just open that drawer for a second? Yeah. Are you looking for something? Yes. There it is. That notebook. Can you grab this it? Notebook right here? Yes. Yeah. This has Thank got something in it that you, you want to read? Yes. Okay. All right. This is my so, commonplace book. It has all sorts of things that I want to know and remember. Your commonplace book. Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's take a quick snapshot. Yeah, this is good. So the choleric. Oh, yeah. Let's do a quick. The choleric. All right, so in, uh, in Art and Lorraine Bennett's book, they say that enthusiasm, energy, intelligence, and a strong will will combine to make the choleric temperament a classic go-getter. Okay, so the choleric is the person who is, you, you, your typical choleric is what we would call an overcommitted person. They will do things. They are the person about whom this adage refers. If you want to get something done, ask an already very busy person to do it. Because that person is a choleric person, and they will, they will, they will get it done. Because they have drive, they have energy, they have decisiveness, they have um, stubbornness, and they are—they're extroverted, but not in—I mean, they're extroverted, but not people-oriented. Correct. They're they can deal—they can deal with people and in very- order to accomplish their goal. Exactly. Exactly. They're goal oriented. It says here, opposition is never a stumbling block to a choleric, but rather a further incentive to action. So if you try to stop a choleric from doing something, watch out. Hmm. If they really want to do it, they're going to bowl right over you. Um, so the downside of of, a, of the choleric. So so the so the positive aspect of the choleric is that this is the person who's going to get things done. They are entrepreneurs. They start hmm. businesses. They they are change makers, right? And if you have a choleric who is also a person who is striving for for virtue mm. and and goodness, you have you have an unstoppable saint on your hands. You know that that is going to make all the good things happen. The downside, though, is that this the cleric is quick to judge and form an opinion and to charge ahead stubbornly, often without proper reflection or compassion. It gives an example. If you have ever brought home something that has to be assembled and plunged right in without looking at the instructions, you might be a choleric. In other words, I don't need these instructions. I know how to do this. So it's uh, and and the and the choleric mm-hmm. can become very impatient with people who are not like him or her. Let me give you a classic example. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who's very choleric, mm-hmm. and she was talking to me once. We were having coffee, and she was just laying out her heart to me about some things about her husband that were it's like, oh gosh, just, I, I, you know, I can't handle this and that, you know, she's having a very difficult time dealing with things. And I said, and I said to her, you know, here's, here's what's going on. The reason you two are butting heads is because you are a choleric and he is a phlegmatic. Those are the two temperaments that mix the worst because the phlegmatic is not going to do everything the choleric wants at the energy and speed with which the choleric demands. The phlegmatic will appear to be just this lazy person who is just not cooperating, not on board with, with plan here. I ended up explaining all this to, to my friend and, um, 
And she ended up getting the book. And she came back to me later after reading the book and said, Claire, I think you just saved my marriage. Because she understood so much more herself and her husband and why this was um, a problem. It doesn't, it didn't like cease to be a problem, but at least it became something that everyone knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. That is the benefit of knowing these, these temperaments is that if you find yourself in a mismatched marriage temperament wise, it's, it's, it becomes very doable because you can just, you understand this is how it is. This is how my spouse is. This is how my children are. This is how my coworker is. This is not a deliberate. He's not trying to drive me crazy. This is this is how it is. You become able to accept yourself and other people more. So the phlegmatic is uh, reserved, prudent, sensible, reflective, respectful, and dependable. Uh, they're not easily insulted or provoked. Not They don't get angry easily. They're not really given to being exuberant or um, speaking with exaggeration. They are loyal and committed, tolerant, and supportive. So they possess a hidden will of iron that is often overlooked because they're such agreeable people. It's kind of like a big boulder in the middle of your yard. It doesn't bother you until you want to try and move it. Mm. Right? Kind of okay. like that. Right, right. They have a knack for diffusing tense situations. So they make very good mediators, diplomats, military strategists. Mm. Here's some other things that the Bennett say phlegmatics would be well suited for. They make excellent firefighters, police officers, and military officers. They excel in professions where being calm under pressure is key. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now that's interesting because when if you imagine the sort of the, the mistaken view of a phlegmatic person mm-hmm. is a lump who doesn't do anything. That is not true. The Ben has given an example of, uh, I think, one of their sons mm-hmm. who was a highly competitive, very successful uh, competitive swimmer. Mm-hmm. And despite uh, having a very phlegmatic temperament, he was driven, you know, to compete and do all the discipline and the, and the high-intensity uh, workouts and, um, and physical activity that you need to do to be a, a, yeah. a competitive swimmer. They're very disciplined and focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they... They conserve their energy for what's important to them, basically, hmm. I, should, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, being calm under pressure is uh, is one of the main phlegmatic things, which I think, yeah, that's firefighters, police mm-hmm. officers, military officers, definitely. It's one of those things where your first reaction to a crisis is not to freak out. It is to respond accordingly and dependably. Yeah. It's been a while since I read that book, and that is um, that's kind of the, the visions that I have in my mind was not necessarily that of, of the phlegmatic. I, mm-hmm. I had that phlegmatic of more the the easygoing, happy-go-lucky, do-nothing person. Yeah, that's not that's not true. That's a mistake to think of a phlegmatic person in that way. Yeah, people tend to think that a phlegmatic is very plodding. Right, plodding with a plodding, deep, plodding, um, oafish maybe, mm. mm-hmm. but. But they're not. They're not. They're just very, very measured. There's something called the four P's of temperament. The thing that is most important to each each temperament. And for a phlegmatic, that is peace. Mm. Keeping the peace. For the choleric, it is power. Mm, which yeah. is why the choleric and the phlegmatic often butt heads. Because the choleric wants to do what they want to do. And they want everybody else to do what they, they want everybody want to else do. to do what they want to do too. Yeah. And the, the phlegmatic, like the boulder in the field, mm-hmm. sometimes the choleric is like, I want 
to be in, have power over that boulder and move it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And the phlegmatic says, no, this is where the boulder is supposed to be. And the boulder will stay right here. And mm-hmm. it, the, the choleric is like, oh, I'm so mad about it. Yeah. You know. Okay, now let's do sanguine. Yes. Now, this is my temperament. Okay. This is when I tested the strongest in. Creative, fun-loving, high-spirited. The high-spirited sanguine's natural tendency is to look on the bright side, to enjoy people, to seek out adventure, and we have a reputation for being superficial and frivolous. That now, sounds like an actual nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The world, but... Listen to this. Yeah. The world is a brighter, more joyful place because of the inspiration, enthusiasm, and fellowship the sanguine provides. Um, this is this is according from the Bennett's book. Mm. The strength of the sanguine is the ability to live in the present moment. Does not dwell on the past. Does not spend time worrying about the future. It's and then it says mentioned quickly or easily aroused to emotional reaction. The sanguine does not retain the reaction for any length of time. In fact, and you know what? You know what's funny about being a sanguine? I always assume that everybody else means well as also. This is this is a classic move. Like someone will say something to me that is actually quite insulting or unfair, and two days later I'll go, "Hey," <laughs> at the moment when the moment when the person says it, I'm like, blah, 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 or whatever, you know, I. They'll think about it and go, wait a minute. That was not nice. It's like, it's like that. I think, I think I shared this, this meme with our family group chat the other day where it's Sam Gamgee right after he fell down the stairs at the uh, Kirith Ungle after, uh, <laughs> yeah. after Frodo told him, go home because he was accused of stealing the bread or whatever. Yeah. And there's the meme. It's like, it's like, so I didn't eat the bread. Wait a minute. I knew that already. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. All right. So here's another thing. Okay, here's another thing that sanguines will do. Yeah. They want to make others happy or at least get a big laugh. Yes. I have gotten in so much trouble, like, not not being able to resist the hilarious line, even though it may have been really mean. Yeah, I'll, I'll say something, even when I shouldn't, mm-hmm. which is, that's a classic mark of any extrovert, actually, of saying something where you should actually just keep your darn mouth shut. Yep. Um, yeah. Introverts have the opposite problem. Mm-hmm. When they keep their mouth shut when they should actually mm-hmm. say something. Yep, exactly. I have gotten people asking me for my phone numbers. I'm like, what? I was just being my normal, friendly self, and this person thought I was coming on to him. Yeah. Ah, oh, no. All right. So here's another thing about sanguines that I've experienced in my own life. Okay. Sanguines are easily sold. Or influenced by advertisements, promotions, infomercials, and the like, right? I, I because I don't know why, but so here's so here's my solution. I actually literally wrote this in a sticky note in this book for myself. So the solution is to avoid as many of these inputs as possible. In other words, I try to get an ad-free email and internet browser, a powerful spam filter, limit viewing of TV commercial with commercials. Limit listening to commercial radio. So, like, if I'm listening to the radio and it goes to those one of those interminable commercial breaks, I turn the volume down. I just don't listen. Limit magazines, circulars, junk mails, subscriptions to things, except no telephone or door-to-door solicitation. Because the sanguine is such a nice person and a people pleaser. A sanguine will buy something they don't need or want in order to not say no to that person who just interrupted their day to come and sell them something they don't want or need. 
This is so funny to me. Can I tell you something? This is my mom. My mom won't mind me saying this. Oh, yeah. She is a sanguine through and through. She might be more of a sanguine than me. She has yeah. bought stuff she didn't want, didn't need, couldn't afford, because she couldn't bring herself to say no to the person at the door selling the thing. All right. Yes. And, and now that we've warned you. Um, yeah. Here's a word from our sponsors. Has this ever happened to you? You probably didn't notice because this show's exclusively in audio format, but an underpaid actor in this commercial just scratched his nose. I repeat... Has this ever happened to you? The occasional itch can be an irritating and even debilitating part of your day. With thrice-daily injections of Begone Itch, you can live your life free from the scourge of the occasional itch. My cousin Merle administers my thrice-daily injections directly into my occipital lobe, and I'm doing just fine! <laughs> You don't have to live like this. Call 1-800-BEGONE-1 and say, BEGONE, ITCH, today. I just do not understand that at all. Because if there's a solicitor at the door, and if I happen to be uh, fooled into opening the door, yeah. my goal is to shut the door as soon as possible. <laughs> or if someone's knocking on the door... I will hide on the ground in the, in my room until they leave, and I'll be like watching them through the through the through the curtains just to see if they go. Even people that I know, sometimes I try to avoid if I don't want to see them. Like, <laughs> but yeah, pretend like, I'm not home. Like commercials for things, I do not understand their appeal. I watch a commercial for something, and I'm like, no. <laughs> the last temperament we're going to talk about here is the melancholic, and that is me. What's the um of uh. Sanguine. Oh, sanguine. Popularity. Oh, okay. Popularity. All right. Yeah. Rudolf Steiner, who uh, came up with the uh, Waldorf education method, he said that the mind of a melancholic child has a sign above the door that says, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. <laughs> that is so good. I know. It made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, someone's because like, someone's, I re- like, someone's like, such a melancholic, I want to know all about you. And you're like, are you sure? We're going to go into a really dark place. Here we go. Pull the lever. And we fall through a trap door into a, an abyss. You know, like- <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh, that's so funny. I know. It made me laugh so oh, much. Because, I mean, here I am, sanguine parent, and I raised you, a melancholic. Yep. And there were times when I looked at you, I was like, what is her deal? What is she the- this child so miserable i've given her the best life i'm like good job hannah you're the greatest you can do good and she's uh-huh. like <laughs> i mean i did have one sanguine child but he drove me crazy though yeah because he's too much like me <laughs> he's like I'm, i'd be like i would say the same thing in my hand what is your deal why can't you take anything seriously oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just like me that's why oh man <laughs> Yep, yep. And then there's me, who, um, the, the melancholic child. Literally, since I can remember, I have, every night, gone to bed, and the last thought in my brain is, I might not wake up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a morose way or anything, just like, this is a reality of life. I better make peace with my maker. <laughs> oh, you can imagine, this little five-year-old falling asleep being like, I might be dead in the morning. <laughs> And I have to tell you, that thought never occurred to me until I was forty-five years old. I know, and you said that. You said that. I was like, and um, and I was like, wait, do you not every day just at some point consider the fact that one day you will die? And I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, 
I got too much to do. No too much fun to be had. No wonder when I was eight, my favorite play was Hamlet. <laughs> um, another thing that Rudolf Steiner said about Mountain College, though, is that they have the best sense of humor. Well, because much of the comedy that's the best comedy comes from Obser- careful observation of the pain of life. So I'll just I'll read what the, the yeah, go ahead. have to say about the melancholic yeah. now. Uh, the melancholic, more than any other temperament, tends to value the ideal, whether it be truth, beauty, or justice, all that and all that is noble. So the P for the melancholic is perfection. Oh yeah. Melancholics are perfectionists. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and the cholerics are sort of perfectionists, but they expect everybody else to be perfect also. Yes. The melancholic Melancholic just... We don't tell people that we expect them to be perfect. We just expect them to know that they're supposed to be perfect. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 We expect them to know a lot of things without us telling them. Um, (laughs) Oh, you expect the the mind-reading capabilities of everyone around you. I expect the mind-reading capabilities. The melancholic can be thoughtful, pious, and compassionate, given to solitude and reflection. It is said that the melancholic so longs for heaven that everything on earth falls short. Mm, sensitive. Wow. Oh, say that again. That was oh, interesting. It is said that the melancholic so longs for heaven that everything on earth falls short. Okay. Okay. So that that's so interesting because you know how you're saying that you, since you were a child, have, have considered the fact that you may die. Mm-hmm. And I ne- had, did not enter into my head until I was well into my mm-hmm. 40s. And sometimes I will think to myself, yeah, I might die. Okay, here I am, a Christian, thinking. Heaven is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll, sometimes I think to myself, I don't want to die. I've got too much stuff that I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too much fun to be had, like I said. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yeah. There's a melancholic who's like, ah, oh, the misery of this mortal coil. One day I'll be free of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> okay, that's cool. All right. Yeah, uh, keep going. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, sensitive and idealistic. He is deeply concerned about injustice and vice. Mm. His idealism combined with compassion for humanity and passion for justice may lead him to a humanitarian vocation. Great writers, poets, artists, and composers have been of this temperament. Okay. Many melancholics have become great saints, founders of religious orders, reformers, great mystics, and theologians. The melancholic is principled, consistent, faithful, and persevering. He is orderly, diligent, and attentive to detail. He appreciates the mystery and depth of life. Mm. And um, so, yeah, the melancholics have this idealism, but this can also cause them to become critical or judgmental of others who don't measure up. Mm. Yeah. So very prone to bitterness because we are not very communicative about what displeases us. Yeah. It still displeases us, however. But you don't say anything. And Mm -hmm. so whatever it is that's displeasing you will continue. Yes. But the phlegmatic, um, phlegmatic particularly, actually, um, if you're... Like something being a big deal enough, you're like, hmm, no, it's not worth disturbing the peace. Uh huh. You know? Uh huh. And okay. I think that the melancholic part of their ideal of perfection is the ability to suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a fascinating topic. I mean, mm. we're we've we've gotten through all four temperaments. Luckily, there's only four. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we could keep going forever. Um, yeah. Do you have any closing remarks? Uh, yes. So if you are interested in the, um, if you are interested in the Myers-Briggs at all, there, it's, it's not really a correlation, like, it doesn't, it doesn't perfectly line up with, like, if you are such and such a Myers-Briggs type, that means that you are this kind of temperament, because the temperaments are very broad, but 
there are a couple of a couple of groups associated with each other. Uh, the cholerics tend to be rational, intuitive thinking. Yes. Uh, sanguines tend to be artisans, which is uh, sensing, perceiving people. You you experience just sort of the the physical, the sensual, like what you see, what you hear, what you can feel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, the per- perceiving, just you take in information, you don't necessarily do something about it. You're just enjoying taking things in. Oh my gosh, Hannah, that yeah. is so, you're so reading, mm-hmm. reading my personality because I will, I will read, watch, listen. Mm-hmm. I love learning new things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the phlegmatics are, uh, in, in the Myers-Briggs, they tend to be the guardians, uh, sensing, judging. So they see mm. things and then... They form a conclusion. They know what's right and what needs to be done about what they've seen. And uh, melancholics are the idealists, mm-hmm. um, the intuitive feeling people. So, hippies. We take in information intuitively without knowing it, and then we respond with our feelings, not really knowing exactly what we have taken in and what we're responding to quite, except that it's just a vague sort of feeling out there that you're like... <laughs> I feel this way and I don't know why. Ah. Something to do with my environment, but I wasn't paying attention How when I took in the information. <laughs> How interesting. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things too that, that I just wanted to make sure we, you know, get out this one of the things that they say in the in the Bennett's book here is um our awareness of our tendencies it enables us to make decisions about the best possible response in any given situation rather than always cruising on autopilot. So while you cannot change your temperament, you can modify, you can be aware and understand, you know what? I need to go against my own grain here in mm-hmm. this situation. So what you want to do, is you, you and what they say here, I, I underline this. We must learn how to make the appropriate response given the particular situation and not just knee-jerk reactions based on our natural preferences. Mm-hmm. In yeah. other words, our temperament is not an excuse for doing what's wrong and saying, hey, that's just me. Yeah. We, we have a responsibility as human beings to grow in virtue and, mm-hmm. and adv- advance in our care for one another. Um, and part of that is modulating our own responses so we don't hurt other people. Let's leave our, our, our audience with this. We'll, we'll make sure you've um, got a link to this book. Mm-hmm. But uh, The Temperament God Gave You by Art and Lorraine Bennett. Let's leave, you, leave us with a quote from St. Augustine. Okay. Know thyself and thy faults and thus live. The Splanknik's podcast is produced by Claire T. Walker and Hannah Kubiak. You can contact us by emailing splanknikspodcast at gmail.com. We welcome episode topic suggestions, personal anecdotes, and corrections for those rare occasions when we don't know what we're talking about. Visit splanknikes.com for show notes and transcripts of all our episodes, and follow us on Instagram at splanknikes underscore podcast. Claire T. Walker is an independent author with two self-published books, The Keys of Death and Startling Figures. Learn more about Claire and her books at clairetwalker.com.